You're listening to What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. In this episode, I talk to S.A. Chakraborta, whose debut novel, The City of Brass, comes out on November 14th. And Chakraborta has an interesting way of sort of how she came to write her debut. Uh, We've talked about fan fiction in the past with some of the other guests, and The City of Brass started off as a type of fan fiction, but in a very different way. So listen in. Essay Chakraborty, what book hooked you? So when I think of my writing, I actually can't say a particular book hooked me. Um, It's more that a library hooked me. I studied history in college, um, and I went abroad to Egypt to continue doing so. I was focusing on on Middle Eastern history. And I walked into what is the Rare Books Library of the American University of Cairo, and I think my head probably spun. Um, it's this old, well, they've, they've since moved it, but it was this awesome little old building. I mean, if you picture sort of what you think an amazing Rare Books Library would look like, that's what it looked like. You went in, it had spiral walls that had the books, and you went up the twisting staircase. And it was just completely full of these glorious tales and histories of the Middle East and of the wider Islamic world. And it had illustrations and paintings that you could just stare at these things and be sucked in and imagine these worlds and these places. And I found it absolutely captivating. Uh, I had been studying history at that point um, and sort of dry history. I had an idea that I would, you know, study trade routes or maybe work for the State Department for a little while. And I went in and these these stories and these folk tales and the beautiful paintings of them just captivated me. And I started reading not just about, you know, the trade routes of the Indian Ocean, but what sailors said they saw in the 13th century or this monster in the 9th century. Um, I was reading letters and everything that were bringing the past alive in such a way that I don't think you really get to appreciate if you sort of read a dry timeline of history. It's letters like from the Cairo Geniza, which is talking about 12th century Jewish life in Cairo. So you're reading letters about fathers complaining that their daughters want such and such for their dowry, that their sons-in-law, their son-in-laws are chronically late. I mean, it was just such a wonderful experience that being in there, that reading all these books and everything, that it really formulated um, the story that I had kicking around in my head, but also the idea that I wanted to do something like this. And so if this is uh, your experience during college that you were studying abroad, what, uh, maybe a little bit earlier in your life, what sort of sparked that interest in history and especially in Middle Eastern history? Well, I was pretty much always interested in the history. I mean, even when I was a kid, I was one of those five-year-olds who instead of, you know, I would read everything I could, but I was reading the eyewitness tales about the ancient Egyptians, and I would go to the store and the library with my dad and and come back with these nonfiction texts that were probably meant for a way older age with drawings of of Babylonia. So I was always interested in in history and in that region in particular. since I was a kid and it really just continued and developed. And that's, so I started studying that in college. Um, You know, I'd kind of known that for years that that was what I was going to do. And so you are studying in Cairo, uh, looking at all these like primary sources uh, and really soaking in all this information uh, firsthand. So 
at the same time, whether earlier than this or during this time, uh, were you sort of writing create creatively? Not really. I had toyed a little bit with some short stories in high school. Um, I was of the generation <laughs> that enjoyed writing fan fiction, but nothing seriously. I really, I stuck to nonfiction until after college. And so I, I graduated college and I, I had hoped to go into a PhD program, but this was when the economy sort of crashed and I was sort of just desperate to get any job I could. So I was working, I was managing the medical office and, you know, so like, okay, keeping up with these sources and everything. And that's when I started writing. I started thinking of sort of this historical fan fiction project that I never intended to show anyone. Um, but just for my own, I guess, amusement and to keep these things fresh in my head. So I started inventing this world that paid homage to all of these civilizations that I had read about. You know, I, I always was really interested in the court culture of Mughal India, which is sort of the 15th through 18th century um, North Indian Empire. So I would throw in references to that, um, the Abbasids from the sort of the golden age of Islam in 9th century through 13th century Baghdad was something I was also always interested in. They had the greatest stories of some of their incredibly corrupt caliphs, um, but just also some really gruesome tales and some, you know, interspaced with fantastic scientific discoveries. So I would, you know, pull in things like that. And I, I liked fantasy, so I made it magical. I would talk about, okay, we have, you know, Ibn Rushd and, um, he would invent this magical, this, sorry, this medical uh, formula. So I'd be like, well, now that treats, you know, instead of smallpox, it treats like dragon pox. Um, you know, I would look at Akamead Persia and take some of the weapons they were famous for and say, now they shoot fire or, you know, the mogul dancers that I liked, they can conjure flowers now. So it was really just this sort of fun project that I did to, to keep my mind occupied during somewhat more tumultuous times and that's that's how I started writing so it was really that this this book in the world that was this book it was really my first writing project and so you're writing this uh fan fiction sort of just for kind of fun for yourself (laughs) how long before it started to become a little more serious and it wasn't just something you were kind of doing on the side to amuse yourself probably I want to say maybe about two years um I started, my, you know, other people were asking me what I was doing. My husband was like, what, what are you typing on your computer all the time? So I finally uh, told him, I was like, you know, I'm writing a story. And that was sort of a, a big point for me to actually tell another person, oh, yes, you know, what I'm doing is actually writing fiction. Um, and I, re- I showed it to him and he, he loves fantasy like I do. And he, he loved it and was really supportive and helping me improve it. And it was from then I moved. I was just kind of just wanted to see what would happen with it. So I joined a writing group and worked with them probably for a solid year, year and a half, um, getting the manuscript better, and then started shopping it around for agents. So it was sort of, I guess, maybe four years in total. So with this writing group, uh, where you were sort of had this community of writers where you were supporting each other, um, what can you summarize maybe some of the lessons or really what you got out of that experience? I guess, you know, so many different things. It it completely made my manuscripts better, but it also, this is when I talk to new writers now and I advise them to try to find a writing group. It also helps you filter criticism. It helps you hear things and not hear people as attacking your story or saying they hate what you do but saying they love what you do. Here's how you can make it stronger. It's hearing multiple opinions and learning how to parse out 
not only what they're saying, but if this is, if this is something you should listen to, if it's something maybe you should ignore, um, dealing with rejection with, with people who, you know, look at the concept that you love so much and people who are your friends with, especially, and are like, I have no idea what you're trying to say here. So it sort of helps you develop, um, a bit of a shell while at the same time teaching you how to make things better and how to take criticism and rejection in ways that you learn from rather than you sort of just retreat. And because you sort of started out uh, on this journey through nonfiction texts, as you're writing this fiction, as you're taking it more serious, was there uh, fictional stories that inspired you somehow, whether in subject matter or just themes or just characters? Oh, certainly. I mean, a lot of the, the stuff that I liked reading about so much is it's history, but it's almost, you know, apocryphal. I have a, had a tale that has stuck with me for years and which ended up getting put in the city of Brass, um, which is from Abbasid Baghdad. And it's one of the first caliphs. And he, he there are so many stories about him and, you know, how he was stingy, how he was mean. And, and one of the greatest ones that I liked anyway is that as he was nearing um, old age, he went to Mecca for Hajj and he told his daughter-in-law, you know, he gave her the keys to everything and said there was just this one room she couldn't go in unless word came that he had died. And he did die. And she and her husband, who was um, the successor, went into this room, this creepy basement cavern, and inside were the shrouded bodies of the olives which was the, the family of, of, Fatima, of sorry, Fatima and Ali, who were, I won't go into the whole history of Baghdad, but they were, they were struggling for leadership. And he had, had had them all murdered and had had their bodies shrouded and stuffed in this cavern and, you know, dried out. This is Mesopotamian air. And just, I mean, it's horrifying. You read a lot of horrifying stories about this particular caliph, and then you think, oh, you know, his son and his daughter-in-law just maybe expecting treasure, maybe expecting something else, just find the bodies of all their political rivals who they now are faced with a terrible situation because if people find out that they were murdered, these, these were religious leaders, they would be in a lot of trouble. So, you know, his successor just, you know, makes sure the bodies are, are put to rest and tries to put the matter to rest. But it was one of those stories, I mean, it, it reads like something out of a fable. It probably is something out of a fable, but it stuck with me, and, and, and I, I ended up using that for part of the story. And so uh, you already mentioned, so your debut release then is The City of Brass. Can you kind of give me a summary of what the book's about? Yes. So the book takes place in the 18th century, and it's about an Egyptian con artist named Nahri. She's living in Cairo. She's um, an orphan. You've got your standard fantasy background in that. And she does what she, what she has to to make a living. She's hoping for more. She's always had a little bit of a strange talent for healing. So she's just saving and conniving and running schemes, hoping to eventually have enough to sort of bribe one of the medical academies to take her in. And in doing all these schemes and sort of having some of these strange abilities, she doesn't think too much about magic until she, one or, during one of her cons, she accidentally summons a djinn. And she not only summons a djinn, but she summons a whole host of nasty creatures who are after her. And she finds out she's the descendant of a long-lost djinn, uh, 
family of healers. So she's brought to Devabad, which is this magical city, and it's sort of on the brink of war for a lot of political reasons that she doesn't understand. And it's her story and the story of another character named Ali and really their own exploration into the politics of this world. And so once you've had this uh, this book in, in a state where you felt you could put it in front of agents, uh, what was that process like? Uh, did it take... Uh, a lot of trial and error to to find the right pitch for you to find an agent for this. Uh, what was that process? Um, I would say it took me probably about a month to prepare, and that was really all I did. I didn't work on any other stories or anything. I just researched and I took notes that are are I think are probably a little too much. I actually now use those notes and give them to other people in my writers group and I've led a couple workshops on querying. But um I just researched I and I use social media for a lot of my research. A lot of agents are on, online and they're talking about things that they like and they there's a, this hashtag manuscript wish list where you can find other things they like. So I I did my research, I made my list and I started querying um in January of 2016 yes 2016 and I was I was pretty fortunate in that I had a lot of early interest and I so I was going through I had it out with probably about the full manuscript out with maybe um, about a dozen agents uh, when DV pit came along and I submitted my manuscript well I, I pitched my manuscript through that and I got some interest through that and then that matched me up with the agent I have now, Jennifer Azantian, who was closed, actually, and I would have, wouldn't have normally been able to match up with her. Um, and we we hit it off. You know, I think from the time I sent her my full manuscript, we probably ended up signing, like, maybe three weeks later. Um, she she really liked it, and I really liked her, and, and we, we went through the whole process of uh, going through, of speaking to others and everything, but we started working together that spring. And so was there, as you've kind of gone through this process, and the book is coming out on November 14th, uh, having, uh, you know, not been uh, starting off uh, this whole journey of writing as with the ultimate goal of being published, uh, has it really sort of been maybe an eye-opening experience to having gone through it and and what it really takes to take your story uh, to a finished product that'll, that'll soon be out to readers? Yes, it's been a very eye-opening experience. Um, it's been a wonderful experience. I, I know I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have gotten the opportunities and the position that this book is in. And it's, it's been fantastic, really. I mean, even though this was my first book, I really liked seeing how um, an, a writing group would, would make suggestions and how my editor would make suggestions, my agent. It was really, um, I loved seeing everything become clearer and, and so much crisper and sharper with each pass. It was a really interesting experience to see how stories are formed, how, you know, we can sharpen narrative arcs. A lot of these things that I didn't really know too much about because I had, didn't have a background in creative writing and I hadn't really much practice with this. I had just been reading my entire life and I, I suspect somewhat absorbing these things, but it was really interesting to just learn more about the process of craft. Um, and now it's something that I, I read about all the time because I find it fascinating. So it was it was an ex it was a great process. I mean I've I have really enjoyed every part of this. Um, 
from you know meeting the teams that put together the book covers to to learning how to write cover copy um you know some of the promo stuff which i love because i i write about history and you know people are tell you to make sort of a public persona and i don't really need one because I, I, I love this material and i love finding other people who love this material and talking about it online so it's it's been really really enjoyable. I have I have to say, you know, it's the of course there's the pressures of you know coming up with a second book or sort of the you know who likes it, who doesn't like it. But I've been very in a very fortunate position, and I'm trying to enjoy it. And so, once the book gets out in the hands, are you really hoping because of the the subject matter that you have 18th century Middle Eastern history, uh, you know, filled with magic and fantasy? Do you hope that uh, not only does this attract other people that are obviously interested in Middle Eastern history, but the casual reader uh, will then maybe have a better understanding of Middle Eastern history. Um, you know, I've gotten versions of this question, and I often have somewhat of a mixed response um, because when I started, especially when I started really thinking seriously about this story and about putting something like this out there. I wanted to write something for my community first and foremost. Um, I'm a Muslim myself, and I worked uh, well, especially in the last later years of putting this book together. I was working um, with volunteer organizations in my community, and I, like I said, I've always liked fantasy. And I, there's a lot to be said about how Muslims are typically represented in Western media and in fantasy. Sure. And I really wanted to put out a book that people like me could enjoy without waiting for sort of the kickback of the cliche of the tyrant, of the misogynist man, of the woman who needs to be saved. Um, I wanted to write something for us that ha that brought in details of our world and we could enjoy. So going forward with that, I, I love seeing the reaction um, from other Muslim readers, but I also like seeing it from, from non-Muslims because I wanted people to enjoy it and get uh, get a greater appreciation of it, but also just enjoy it on its own. Um, I get a lot of times the question of, you know, do, do you think this will humanize uh, other Muslim characters? And I, I think if you have to read a book to humanize another person, I don't know that that says much about you as a person. Right, um, but but I, I really hope people enjoy it. I, I wouldn't, I would not read this book as a history lesson, only because a lot of the history is based on like, sailor's tales of dragons <laughs> so i don't really think it's the best primary source but it's i i i do enjoy sharing bits of that and and i in in, in with the history i mean there are things you can learn for I, I use a lot of like easter eggs and everything on my website i have a reading list of oh if you like these things you should read this and this and this and this so i hope it ex maybe exposes people to this world and if they like more if they like it they explore more and the city of brass is the first in a trilogy, correct? Mm -hmm. And so, when yes. you sort of uh, first kind of proposed this and was querying it out, did you sort of have all three pieces of this trilogy more or less planned out? Yes, I did. I, by the time that I was really starting to work with a writers group and everything, I had this idea for this for this trilogy and kind of knew what each book was going to be. And I, I had started working on the second book when we went out to submission uh, with, with uh, editors. So I had, I had a lot of things outlined and was already working on them. And so because it's part of a trilogy and so, the, you know, the next two books are kind of lined up, do you feel, I don't know, any stress or any pressure in the fact that, you know, uh, you know, you're putting all this work into the, you know, the next story of this, um, 
but it's kind of reliant on people accepting uh, the city of brass. Does that kind of bring along with it any anxiety or any stress along those lines? Um, I think just this standard writer anxiety of, of writing a new book. And, you know, I, I hope people like it. Uh, and even, you know, for, for how we did this, we, we sort of have some deadlines that are coming up very quickly. But I'm in, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I think if people like the story and like the characters, they'll, they'll follow along. I think I'm also fortunate in the fact that I'm so new at this. I don't necessarily know what to be anxious about. <laughs> so right, right. I just kind of let it go. And yeah, so I'm, I'm enjoying it. So how have you seen yourself sort of improve as a writer? Since because when you first started out, your intentions weren't necessarily to become a writer. It was more entertainment for yourself. I've seen myself vastly improve. I mean, I went from, you know, bad prose and no idea of what character arcs were to having people read them and say, you know, I liked the way you did this and this, but this makes no sense. And this makes no sense. So with each pass, I mean, I've, I've, I'm thinking now not just, okay, I'm trying to write this story down on the page, but thinking long-term, um, thinking how to represent certain things. How does this make this person feel? What, what happens when this person walks into the room, really trying to bring people into the scene? So it's a lot, a lot of more thinking and bringing some of these concepts in that I didn't really think about beforehand. And just having people point it out, just reading it constantly again and again and again, and reading other works and, and reading other works, not just for enjoyment, but to see how they put stories together and how they put prose together. So I think I've become a much sharper writer. I mean, hopefully. <laughs> but it's um, a lot of it has just been experience and experience and experience. And so that writing group that you uh, f- first joined when you started to take this a lot more serious, are you still a part of that? Are you still active in writing groups? I am, and I should give them a shout-out. It's the Brooklyn Speculative Fiction Writers Group, and we are always looking for new members in the New York City area. Um, and I've been with them for years, really, since they started. And since I, since I sold the book, I haven't been able to go to events as frequently because I've been very busy, but I'm still part of the group, and they're my, my closest friends, and I wouldn't be where I was without them. That's great. And so kind of a few questions as we sort of wind down, uh, standard questions that I ask all the guests. The first one is, what is your favorite movie uh, that's based on a book? Well, it's not necessarily, it's not a movie, but I do like, um, I am one of the many tortured fans of Game of Thrones. And I like, I like a lot of what the TV show has done with the story. Not all of it. Um, but I like, I mean, I just like seeing that, that vast world brought to life and seeing how different people, even seeing how the story writers changed in some ways, good in some ways, bad, certain storylines to in, in sort of improve clarity or improve character arcs. Um, so that's, that's the first one I can think of that, that's been a, uh, a, a new screen adaption. Sure. And that's a good one. Uh, next question. Is there a book or a series of books that you're willing to admit you've never read? Yes, actually I've read, I, well, I read it, hated it when I, when I, when I read it, I was young, but A Wrinkle in Time, um, everyone I know adores this book, adores the fact that the movie is coming out. And all I can remember of, of reading this when I was a, was a child was one I was forced to, um, it was you know through one of my English classes, and that I hated it. So I, I've been watching all this excitement come, and I actually just picked up a new copy of the book because I told myself I have to, I have to read this, I have to see what everybody's raving about. I have a young daughter; she'll 
will be old enough to read this at one point, but that is my admission, <laughs> um, a wrinkle in time. Don't remember it, didn't like it at the time, but I'm trying again. Very good. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? It was more than a few months ago, um, but this, it's probably one of the best books I've ever read in my life, and it has just stayed with me, is The Moore's Account um, by Leila Lalami. And it's historical fiction. It's not, it's not fantasy or, or science fiction, but it takes, into, takes inspiration from the account of a North African slave who was brought to Florida in the very early years of um, about to use the Spanish word, the very early years of, of the Spanish invasion in, of the Americas. And it's just an utterly fantastic and compelling tale. She brings this, this period and this character to life in a way I don't think I've ever seen in historical fiction. Um, so when people ask me for book recommendations, that's something I say because it, it, it was one of those things that stuck with me, not just for how well it was written, but I read it at a, at a time last year when there have been some terrible things going on in what is considered the historic Islamic world. And it was a melancholy read for me to, to kind of read about, you know, this character being taken from one of our great civilizations and then enslaved and, and brought to this land that was about to be conquered. But it was just one of those experiences that reading experiences that has really stayed with me. And say the book title again. It's the Moore's last account. Excellent. Well, I say Chakraborty, thanks so much uh, for joining me. The book, the city of brass comes out November 14th and I wish you and the book all the best. Thank you so much. And that does it for another episode of What Book Hooked You. Special thanks to S.A. Chakraborta for joining me. Her book, City of Brass, comes out on November 14th, and I hope you'll check it out. And if you've enjoyed checking out some of the other podcast episodes I've had, and you do so through the iOS app, please give the podcast a rate and review. It really helps other people find out about us. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading.